Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Let us praise and worship God in music for a bit. Praise God, Heavenly Father, let the weight of your glory fall upon us. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O Lord God, thank you so much for this time that we have to spend with you, O Lord, in the name of Jesus. We've gathered here like this today to listen to your word, O Lord, so we ask you to join us, be with us, commune with us, O Lord, as we partake of your word. We ask that your precious Holy Spirit, O Lord God, will reach out and touch each one of us. We ask that Holy Spirit, O Lord God, will give us a fresh anointing, O Lord God, to receive and to hear your words here today, O Lord God. 
I pray that you speak to us in your own special way, O oh Lord God, because it is only you, only you, only you that know the needs, the desires, and every single need that would be in our lives, O oh Lord God. So I pray today that you touch every single one of us in the matchless name of Jesus. Heavenly Father God, I give this time and this space entirely over to you, O oh Lord. Take it where you will for your honor and your glory and your praise. In the matchless name of Jesus, amen, amen, and amen. Praise God, praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries, and I'm so glad that you're able to join us here today in the name of Jesus. And uh, I pray that you have your Bible. And so if you don't have it, why don't you just run and get it real quickly? Because it's important that we attend church with our Bibles so that we can not only hear the word, but that so we can see the written word of God for ourselves. Okay, and so that we can underline scriptures and bracket scriptures and highlight scriptures as Holy Spirit so guides us so that we have these things outlined in our Bibles for future reference when we're praying or just need to pick up and need to read the word of God. So get your Bible and join us today. Praise God. Praise God. Well, today is um, Palm Sunday, as it's called. And I can't believe the time is flying so rapidly. But Palm Sunday and of course, next week is uh, Resurrection Sunday. So today we're going to dwell a little bit on Palm Sunday and look at how this fits in with the um, overall goal, overall journey, Jesus' journey to the cross. Because all of this was, was pre-designed by God. All of this was part of his perfect plan for mankind to, uh, to bring us, to give us salvation and to uh, uh, deliver us from, from the sinful lives that we all lead. So it's interesting for us to see and take note of how Palm Sunday fits into this. Amen. Amen. So the fascinating thing about the word of God, I mentioned about us having our Bibles and being, being able to read the word as well as hear it. But the fascinating thing about the word of God is that the word of God is from a God that is the same yesterday, today and forever. God doesn't change. And the very same power that brought ancient Israel through the challenges of yesterday can bring us through the challenges of today and will bring us through the challenges of tomorrow. God will bring us through the challenges of tomorrow. The very same power, you have to understand, of God that brought Israel through the challenges of pestilence, brought them through the challenges of disease and blight, will bring us through the pestilence, disease and blight of this thing that's called coronavirus. God will indeed bring us through it. The same way he brought Israel through man, all of the challenges of their time. And it's, understand, if it's important for you to, to, to understand where we're going with this because you might say, well, Jesus, Pastor, what does this, what does coronavirus have to do with Palm Sunday? How can you link those two? What does coronavirus have to do with this day, Palm Sunday? Well, as we move forward, as this message progresses, and it will unfold to your understanding. Amen. So for starters, let's just say, say that you have to remember that nothing God does, absolutely nothing God does or allows to happen or allows to happen is outside of his control. Okay. Nothing is outside of his control. And we can see this by reading the word of God. If you're studying the word of God, you can see that God is always in control. Amen. And we have to remember that today. And you have to also understand that there are, how can I say, there are always parallels in God's word that align with the issues of today. There's always parallels in the word of God that align with what is happening in our lives, what is happening here in the 21st century. You know, we might not always understand uh, God's long-term purpose, but we should Come to understand, uh, listen to this, all right? We should come to understand the spiritual realities behind what is happening in the natural or physical world that's around us, okay? It's critical that we as Christians get to understand what the spiritual realities are behind the things that are happening in our lives, the things that are happening right in front of our very noses, okay? However, the challenging part for us, the challenge oftentimes is our ability or inability to let Holy Spirit show us what those realities are. That's the challenge, okay? The parallels are there, but do we as Christians, do we as children of the living God, do we always have the ability to, to let the Holy Spirit show us what those realities are and what those parallels are? 
Okay, amen, amen. The, 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 the spiritual realm, you've heard me say many times, pre-existed. Everything that's in the natural, okay? The spirit realm is the foundation for what we see happening in the natural. So there are parallels in the word of God. There's parallels in the spiritual realm to what is going on around us today, to the realities of today in the physical world. Jesus made all of this possible, okay, for us to, to, to hear from the Holy Spirit, to be comforted and guided by the Holy Spirit. Jesus made all of this possible through his death, resurrection, and ascension, and his ultimately giving us the Holy Spirit. Remember, he said that as long as he stayed, he could not give us the comforter. He had to go. He had to return to the Father. So when he returned to the Father, he was able to give us the Holy Spirit to benefit us, to guide us, and to comfort us. Amen? So the Holy Spirit is here with us today to guide us through the troubling times of life. The Holy Spirit is here today, to be more specific, to guide us through these troubling times of coronavirus. Okay? God will overcome. God is in control. And therefore we, his children, shall be delivered and shall be set free. So, talking about uh, Palm Sunday, we have to see that Jesus set the stage for this. By setting us free from the dominion of darkness and sickness and death. Therefore, some 2,000 years ago, Jesus also set the stage for our deliverance from this virus. They would be trying to destroy us today. Okay? Jesus didn't just set the stage for, you know, you know the, the wars that took place and delivering us from wars and delivering us from sin and so forth. Jesus also set the stage so that we could be victorious over this thing called coronavirus. Amen? So God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we as Christians, many times we forget or we, you know, we start reading the death tolls and all the other bad statistics. And right away we start losing faith and giving up hope. But that's not God's intention. That is not God's purpose for us. Okay, walking the Christian walk. This deliverance or salvation that Jesus gave us is, of course, due to the cross on Calvary. And today, Palm Sunday, was simply the continuation of his journey to the cross. This was a journey. It, 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 was, a, it was a continuum of Jesus' purpose to get to that cross. So today we look at Jesus' path towards his date with prophecy on his way to the cross. And I might add here also that you have to clearly understand and that one thing you can take to the bank, you can be crystal clear, sure of God keeps his word. God always keeps his word. You can count on him. You can trust him and you can believe his word. What God says in his word is indeed fact. It's reality. It's truth. And as we remember Palm Sunday, we are assured that God will keep his word about the future. And how do we know that for certain? How do we know that God will indeed keep his word for our futures? Because of the fact that God has kept his word so perfectly and exactly in the past. God has kept his word perfectly and exactly in the past. So let's go to Zechariah 9. Zechariah chapter 9, verse number 9. Amen. Amen. You see, in laying out God's plan, in laying out his plan, I should say, God loving us so much uh, through this book that we call the Bible, okay, um, we see that God gave us little, how can I say, maybe little signposts. He gave us little little inklings. He gave us insights into things of the future. He gave us, us, us uh, hints at what was going to come to pass. Sometimes they weren't so much hints, but they were just out and out facts that were stated. And these things became known as prophecies. Amen. And we see that here in the book of Zechariah, book of Zechariah, excuse me. So hopefully you've gotten to chapter 9 and just verse 9 for right now. And it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. Again, underline that please if you don't have it underlined. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt the foal of an ass so it's saying here that the king the 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 one that is going to bring you salvation he is he is arriving he is arriving and it says that he's going to come on a lowly ass not in a beautiful white horse a white steed but on a lowly ass and upon a colt of the foal of an ass it's interesting to note that uh, it says there, it mentions that this donkey, it mentions the donkey, you know, 
and it's uh, this young donkey donkey was obviously was an animal that had never been ridden before. Okay, but yet still, when he mounted that that donkey, uh, there's no resistance. Okay. Now, if you don't ride, I'm sure you've seen enough movies what it's like to get on on a wild horse and, you know, an unbroken horse or anything like that, or donkey for that matter. And it's pretty hard to do. They tend to want to throw you. They don't want you on their backs. But Jesus mounted this animal with no resistance at all, you see. And this is just another little insight into God's divine sovereignty over the animal kingdom. All right. It just goes to show us just another little hint here. Here, this was an animal that Jesus did not know, had not been ridden before. Okay, and Jesus mounted him with no trouble. Jesus riding this donkey and having his way paved with palm branches, uh, which isn't mentioned in this verse, but it's mentioned later on in, in the New Testament with reference, with, re- with reference. That's where we get the uh, Palm Sunday from. And we'll cover that a little bit uh, in other scriptures today. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you. Righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a, do- a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The prophet declares, Zechariah declares that Israel's king is coming. So here we see five centuries, five centuries, approximately 500 years before his birth, Jesus' arrival was foreseen and prophesied. 500 years. Jesus, riding on a beast of burden, entered Jerusalem as the chosen son of David. OK, so God's word is not is not off. What God says will happen does indeed always happen. It always comes to pass. And we have to remember that. And so if God did that back then in quote unquote in yesterday, and if God is the same yesterday, today and forever, then that means then that God will also do that today for us. Whatever God says indeed will come to pass. You see. Getting back to the supernatural and the spiritual realm, you have to understand that the, uh, uh, we have to understand what the supernatural and spiritual circumstances for the Messiah, that these are, um, these circumstances were, were already well underway. They were already planned. Okay. God had this plan in mind for it to unfold exactly the way it unfolded. You may recall also that after the temptation in the wilderness, Jesus' ministry began. And his words as he went forth were like none other for the religious establishment of the time. Okay? So we see what's happening here. Okay, Jesus is born in Bethlehem. And then he grows. Okay? And he, and he gets uh, baptized by John the Baptist, all a part of God's plan. He goes into the wilderness where he's tempted uh, by the devil three times. And Jesus overcomes him, defeats him. And then he makes this triumphant entry into Jerusalem, all a part of God's plan. Okay? And then the plan was now Jesus is really, you know, his ministry is really now going to start going forth in Jerusalem, in Jerusalem. Okay. And we see here that Jesus, man, when Jesus started preaching, when Jesus was out there talking to the crowds, when Jesus was out there and was confronting the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, Jesus was delivering a message that they had never heard before. Jesus was a radical, if you will, in his time. He was speaking forth a message that the Jews and the Sadducees and the, and the uh, 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 Pharaohs and the, I'm sorry, the Sadducees and Pharisees, uh, they had never heard this message before. This is why they started going after him so much, because he was speaking bad words. He was saying things like they hadn't heard before. So we can see this in Matthew 6. Let's go to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew, chapter 6. Okay. We can see here that Jesus is really uh, talking things here that were, were so radical that they were, were pulling their hair out, so to speak. So we're going to go through these scriptures here and let's unpack some of the things that Jesus is saying here. If you have a red letter Bible, then these words that we're reading, most of, uh, matter of fact, all of chapter 6 is written in red. Therefore, this is Jesus himself doing the speaking. So chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, verse number 1. Take heed. That you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your father, which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound the trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory. They may have the glory of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. 
So again, you see here this this religious aristocracy, this religious class, whenever they gave anything, alms is, is giving when you're giving and so forth. They made a big deal out of it. Like, look at me, look at me, look at me. Look how much I gave. Look at so-and-so, you know. You know, I've unfortunately, I've known some people like that. They want to brag about how much they gave to charity and so forth like that, okay. But that this is not what Jesus is saying. He goes on to say here in verse number three, but when thou doest alms, when you do give, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand is doing, that thine arms, alms, your alms may be in secret, and thy father which sees in secret himself shall reward thee openly. When we're giving to someone, to a worthy organization, and I say a worthy organization, you know who the organization is, or, or to a church, you, 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 and you're giving to God, God is the one that knows what you're doing. You don't have to go bragging about it. You don't have to go talking about it. God knows what you're doing because you're giving from your heart unto God. Okay? So we are not to be like those hypocrites, as Jesus called them, for, for, for uh, openly, you know, raving about what it is that they uh, did in terms of uh, uh, giving. Okay? Jesus goes on to say in verse number five, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, but you, when you pray, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy father which is in secret. And your father which sees in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. All right. So again, he's calling them hypocrites because, you know, they like standing on the, in the street corners and in, in the synagogues, you know, just praying all out loud and, and making a whole lot of fuss for people to look at them. And the, by contrast here, Jesus is saying, when you pray, go into your prayer closet and shut the door. God knows that you're there. God will hear what you're saying and God shall reward you openly. You know, so I say to you, how do you pray? Okay? And it says, when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen does, for they think that much speaking, you know, will, will make God hear them. You don't have to go into God and constantly repeat the same thing over and over and over again. You don't have to go to God, by the way, I always say that, and using King James language. You don't have to go there and try to talk to God with all of this flowery language, you know. Oh, most magnificent God, uh, thine is the power. And uh, God can hear you when you say, Heavenly Father, my heart goes out to you. I need to speak with you, Heavenly Father. I have this issue. I have this issue. I have that. Guide me. I want to know what should I do. You can speak to God in private. He knows what you what you are praying for, and He knows how to answer you. So, how are you praying to God? How are you praying to God during this time of virus of coronavirus? How are you praying to God? Okay. Are you in your prayer closet from time to time? And, and if you do feel yourself getting some anxiety or, if you, or feeling nervous about going out, are you praying to God? Are you going to God and are you saying, Heavenly Father, I need to go to the store. Please encamp your ministering angels round about me. I plead the blood of Jesus from the crown of my head to the soles of my, of my feet. Protect me from any harm seen or unseen. How are you praying? Okay. The word of God here says that, 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 that this is in seven. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen does, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. You know, and when you're praying in the supplication, you're asking God for something, by the way, too. You don't have to repeat that prayer, that same prayer over and over and over again. God heard you the first time that you sent up that prayer. You know, and you've probably heard me before if you've been listening to these sermons for any length of time that you're praying for a new car and you say, oh, Heavenly Father, I need a new car. And you send up that prayer and you describe the car. OK. And then the next day that you go into prayer, you don't have to keep mentioning asking God for that car. He heard you the first time. Amen. So your subsequent prayer should be something like Heavenly Father praises me unto you, Lord God, for I believe that I have received that car. I believe that I have received it. Now, this is you expressing belief in the fact that God answered the prayer that you sent forth the first time. You have to keep repeating the thing over and over again. Amen. God is not deaf. God knows exactly what it is that you're praying for. So during this time of coronavirus, again, I say, how are you praying? Are you entering your prayer closet with God and sharing your deeper most feelings? If there are fears there, are you sharing your deeper, deeper most fears with God? If there are concerns for your family, are you sharing those feelings and thoughts for your, uh, for your family with God in the privacy of your room or your prayer closet? 
Jesus continued on in verse number eight, and he says, uh, uh, "Be not therefore like unto them, for your Father knows what things you have need of before you even ask Him." Amen. God knows what you need before you even ask Him. After this manner, therefore, pray you. Now, this is a model prayer, as this is is, is referred to. Our Father, which is in heaven, art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you, forgive your trespasses. The Word of God, and I won't get too sidetracked here, but the Word of God talks, speaks so much of forgiveness. Okay? We have to forgive. If you do not forgive, it does a couple of things. It's putting that other person in bondage that you, you're holding a, 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 an attitude against. But it also puts you in bondage because now you are, are not forgiving that person. So all it does is it helps a spirit of bitterness to take root in your spirit. And that doesn't help because it just tends to grow and grow and grow. So Jesus says here by this model prayer, you know, you know to forgive. Okay. Right? And it says in verse number 10, by the way, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Okay. So here you're saying, oh God, let your will be done. God's will, God's will in heaven is for us to prosper. God's will in heaven is for us to be healthy. God's will in heaven is for us not to be sick. Not to be ill, not to be worried, not to be anxious. Let it be done on earth. Give us this day our daily bread. That's saying, Lord, just provide whatever it is that I need. Amen. Be it when it says bread is not just talking about a loaf of bread. It's talking about whatever your needs are. God will provide for you. Amen. Amen. You see, so again, Jesus was speaking words here that these Pharisees had not heard. He goes on into verse number 16 and says, Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that thou appear, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which sees in secret shall reward you openly. Okay, I don't know if you've been around people that have fasted. <laughs> I know, uh, you know, it was it was a time there at a church that we had had attended that people did, and it was almost comical, you know, when the pastor called a fast that uh, as the the clock was ticking on and the days went by, some people were showing, oh boy, I can't wait till twelve o'clock today when the fast ends. Oh man, I'm so hungry, I'm so hungry, and they literally be dragging themselves, you know, through the church and everything. God is saying, don't do that. You know, wash your face. Square your shoulders and just continue to move on. God knows that you're fasting, and that's the reason that you're fasting in the first place. If you're fasting just so that you've impressed other people, other men, then you're fasting for all of the wrong reasons. You should read uh, Isaiah 58, by the way, which talks quite a bit about why do we fast. It says in 19, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust corrupts. And where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt. Corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Amen. Our brother Brandon preached on that, on this uh, a, a bit, and there are quite a bit, you know, so I won't go into much more detail to rehash it, but it's just saying that, you know, where is it, what is it in life that you hold to be important, you know? And do you trust? Do you trust God? Do you trust God to deliver those things, amen, that in life that are indeed important? And then we jump down to uh, to verse number, uh, um, uh, let's see, verse number 24, which Brother Brandon spoke very well about. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and, and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And, of course, mammon is money. Amen. So we can't serve money. Okay. So as we're going through this time here, even with Palm Sunday, we see you're getting back to the to the subject matter here. Jesus was preaching a radical new message, a radical. It was something that hadn't been been uh, heard before, you know. And so as we go forth in praying during this time, we have to also remember that the battle with this coronavirus, you know, the battle begins on our knees. The battle with coronavirus begins on our knees, and that is staying focused on Jesus. Being on our knees in prayer and staying focused on Jesus. And you can't win the battle. You cannot win that battle if you're not praying. 
So therefore we need to pray and to stay focused on Jesus. Every single day there's something new that comes up. And so all we have to do is to take that new bit of information. Okay. Comply and do whatever is required. You know, but our main focus is on Jesus because we know that God is greater than this disease and that we shall indeed be victorious. Okay. We see also here some other wondrous things with the Lord Jesus applicable to our time as we are going through. Let's go to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. And we will start with verse number 20. Let's start with verse number 22. Matthew 14, verse number 22. And we all know this story here. We've been through it uh, many times. But verse 22 says, and, st- and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Okay. Now it says Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the boat and to go to the other side. He told them to go to the other side. All right. He didn't say, I'd like you to get to the other side. And maybe I'll get there to meet you. Um, I, perhaps I'll get there to meet you. He told him to go to the other side. Okay. So therefore, if he told him to go to the other side, then that means that there was no doubt in Jesus' mind that he was going to be there to meet them. Amen. It wasn't if and or but and all of this sort of thing. Jesus said to go to the other side. And, you know, basically he's saying, I'll, I'll, I'll join you later. And Jesus sent the crowd away. So there's no question that whether or not the disciples were supposed to get there and that Jesus was going to join them. Verse 23 says, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit! Is it a spirit? And they cried out with fear. Here they are again with fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou. Okay, now here, here Jesus is telling him, it is I. But yet still Peter showing some doubt here says, if it is you. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you. Bid me to come into the water, or tell me, ask me, call me into the water, to come on the water. And he said, come. Jesus simply said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So here, Peter at least had enough sense to follow Jesus' instruction. Right? And so, Jesus, by the way, is saying to us right now today, come. Jesus is calling us to him to come. During this time where there are so many uncertainties in the hearts and minds of so many people, Jesus is reminding us today by reading this scripture to come to Jesus. Come to him. All right. You wake up in the morning and you have, you know, a thought pops in your head and the devil sure is working overtime to put troublesome thoughts in our minds these days. Amen. You know, Jesus is saying to come to him. Bring that issue to him. If you're worried and you're afraid of something, Jesus is saying, come. Can you kind of imagine that in your mind's eye? You know, you get up tomorrow morning or maybe even later on today. You know, a bit of news or something you read or something you hear is troublesome. Can you picture Jesus with his hand outstretched saying to you, come, my child, come, come unto me. And then what are you going to do? Are you going to take that step the way Peter did and step outside of your boat of fears, so to speak? Are you going to be willing to, 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 to step outside the boat of, of fear that's running through your head right now and come to Jesus the way he's instructing, instructing you to do? Amen. And it, says there, and it says there back in 29, and when he did, he walked on the water. He was walking on the water to Jesus. And then verse number 30 says, but when he saw, underline the word saw, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. Underline he was afraid. When he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. You see, so what happened there was Jesus called him. He said, come. Peter took him at his word and stepped out out of the boat onto the water. And he was miraculously walking towards water. Okay. Then all of a sudden this wind, this boisterous wind was around him. He took his eyes off of Jesus and he looked at the wind. 
And then he became afraid. And when he became afraid, he started sinking. And then he cried out to the Lord to save me. Amen? So, so what is this in our lives? Here we are focused on Jesus. We go to church on Sunday, let's just say, and we hear a good word, you know, the music is wonderful, and we're praising God, and, you know, and the Holy Spirit is filling us, and we feel touched by the Holy Spirit, and so forth. Good message, good sermon, you know. And then we, on the way home from church, or Monday morning, all of a sudden, something pops up. Now, all day Sunday, or at least during church on Sunday, we had our eyes on Jesus. But then, when the, when the boisterous wind of circumstances in our lives pops up, all of a sudden, then we take our eye off of Jesus. We forget the sermon that we just heard on Sunday. We forget the word that we we forget the touch and the feeling of Holy Spirit being present in the sanctuary. We forget all of that and we take our eyes off of Jesus and we start looking at that boisterous storm that's going on in our life. The boisterous storm could be in the form of the news channel giving you the latest statistic for deaths. It could be the channel of all of a sudden another city has taken, you know, hold, taken increase with the coronavirus, whatever that thing might be. It could be something, God forbid, that's happening in your particular neighborhood. But all of a sudden now you take your eyes off of Jesus and the boisterous wind of coronavirus all of a sudden makes you afraid. You see? You see? And, 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 and it's very important there to understand and read that, uh, um, that where it said there, the, uh, verse 30, but when he saw the boisterous wind, he was afraid. So see, so what that is saying there is that when you take your eyes off of Jesus, this is when you open the door for fear to set in. Amen? You take your eyes off of Jesus and that's where fear sets in. Alright? So that tells us then the reality there, the spiritual reality there, is that, is that, is that in order for us to maintain, uh, 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 to maintain our, 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 how can I say, our posture in Jesus is to keep our eyes off him and do, on him and do not be distracted by the things of life. Do not be distracted. And then he said he cried out, Lord, save me. And then verse 31 continues and says, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. And said unto him, O thou of little faith, where did you doubt? Where did you doubt? Or why did you doubt even? Okay? So we cry out to Jesus like that during that time of fear even. You know, it's never too late to call out to Jesus. It's never too late. You hear that bad report or whatever it is that might be going on that all of a sudden, maybe momentarily, it takes your eyes off of Jesus and you, and, and, and you feel this fear welling up in you. You know, it's never too late for you to cry out, Lord, save me. Lord Jesus, help me. Okay? I've always said, and many of you have probably heard me say this many times, is that one of the most effective prayers that I've heard is, Lord, help me. Save me. In the name of Jesus, Lord. Okay? So, so cry out to God. If your eyes do get taken off of Jesus, if you do get distracted by what is going on, remember, call out to Jesus. You know? Verse 32 goes on to say, And when they were come unto the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Genesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of, of him, they sent out unto all the country, all that country round about, and brought unto him all that were diseased, and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Okay? So he says there in 33, they said that, of a truth, you are the Son of God. You're the Son of God. So you have to realize that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Okay? He's the Son of God. And, 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 and Palm Sunday, everything that we know as Palm Sunday was predicated upon all that God did to, to birth Jesus, to bring Jesus into this world, to, 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 to uh, uh, take him through his ministry, to, to preach and to speak these words, because he indeed is the Son of God. So if you want to lead a victorious and fruitful life, you must understand Jesus' teaching. Okay? You've got to understand Jesus' teaching. Let's go to Matthew 21. Matthew 21. Oh, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Oh, praise Him. Matthew 21. And let me see. We want to start with verse number 1. Okay, now here's the part of Palm Sunday as we uh, as we know it here. Uh, 21 verse number one. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and would come to Bethpage unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, 
Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if a man, and if any man say aught to you, aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Sion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. Please put a bracket around verse number 5, okay? Put a bracket or highlight verse number 5. Verse number 4 again. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. Of course, we know that prophet is Zechariah. We just read it. Tell ye the daughter of Sion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. When did I say Zechariah was penned? Again, this was some 500 years, years prior, prior to Jesus. Amen. So it was prophesied then. God's word always comes true exactly to the way that it was prophesied. Amen. So Jesus told him to go and to get the colt. Okay. And then it says in verse number five, tell, um, I'm sorry, verse number six. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them and brought the ass and the colt and put on them their clothes. And they set him thereon, thereon. And a great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. Okay, cut down branches from the trees. Again, this was, uh, the, these were the palms, Palm Sunday. Okay, cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth, of Galilee. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought, and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. Underline, please, they were sore displeased. And said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? What these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have you never read, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? And he left them and went out of the city into Bethany, and he lodged there. Okay, so again, now we see that in, in entering upon Jerusalem. Now, remember, I said before that this part of Jesus ministry, when he was going out and about and, and preaching there, he was really upsetting the apple cart, so to speak, for the for the ruling, the religious ruling class of the day, the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees. He was he, he was upsetting them and they were using the temple of God. They were buying and selling and, and, and exchanging monies and so on like that. And also, by the way, if you do some little research here, you see that they were um, are bringing the goods that they were sold, that they were selling. They had them on wagons and carts and things. They were wheeling them through the temple. I mean, they were totally, totally disrespecting the house of God. All right. So Jesus, showing some righteous anger there, he overturned those tables. And he, and he said, this is, you know, you know you, you're turning it into the house, my father's house into a den of thieves. Okay? So this further upset them. And as he says there in verse number 15, and the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. Then the line, they were sore displeased. Okay? So here's another account. Okay, a, a, a check mark, if you will. Oh boy, we got to get rid of this Jesus guy. Look at what he's saying. Don't forget, Jesus was on the way to the cross. All right. So here, this was something else that made them displeased. It goes on here, and it says, "Now in the morning, as he returned into the city, he hungered, and he saw a fig tree there in the way, and he came to it and found nothing thereon, but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever." And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you. Remember when he says verily, this is like, here's a dynamite point coming. Okay, put on your, your, your glasses and listen to read this and listen. 
Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things, whatever you shall ask in prayer, believing, underline believing, believing you shall receive. Okay? Verily, he said, listen to the, listen to the truth, I say to you. If you have faith, underline that faith, and doubt not, underline doubt not, you shall not only do to this which is done to the fig tree, but you shall say to the mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and it shall be done. Why are we in the body of Christ? Why are we as the, the church of the living God? Why are we not removing this coronavirus in prayer? Why are we not getting together and, and, and praying that this thing shall be removed? If you shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, it shall be done. In the name of Jesus Christ, why are we not more collectively coming against, binding up and casting out this spirit of coronavirus? Let it go into the sea. Figuratively speaking, amen, amen. And, and Jesus is saying here, he says, if you have faith and do not doubt, okay? I mean, even down to, to your home, if, you, if you're worried, you know, why can't you simply pray? Why are you not simply pray, praying in the name of Jesus? I plead the blood of Jesus over my home, protect it. The same way the blood of Jesus, the same way the blood was used uh, um, uh, with ancient Israel, over the lintels and the doorposts, Amen. If you have faith to believe that you and your family shall be protected from this coronavirus, and if you do not doubt it at all, amen, if you do not doubt, then what you're praying for and believing shall indeed come to pass. You shall go through this, go through this unscathed, amen. So again, Jesus is saying to them a, a whole brand new thing here. You, you, know, you, know, you know, look at this. I'm going to speak to this fig tree. And Jesus said, you can do the same thing. And when he was come, verse 23, and when he was come into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him and he was teaching and said, by what authority dost thou uh, these things? Who gave you this authority? And Jesus answered, Jesus answered and said unto them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I in likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, whence was it? From heaven or of men? Again, he says, the baptism of John, whence was it? From heaven or of men? And they reasoned with themselves, saying, if we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, why did you not then believe him? But if we shall say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. You see, now they're in a quandary. Jesus answered them such a powerful question. I love the way Jesus speaks and just turns things on these, you know, these hypocrites here. You know, so now they say, oh, we got a problem here. You know, we got a problem. If we say that John is from heaven, then he will say unto us, then why didn't you believe him? But then again, if we say that he was from men, then the people will also be upset with us because you say that John, you know, for all hold John is a prophet. So then in verse 27, as they answered, uh, and they answered Jesus and said, we cannot tell. And he said unto them, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Jesus dropped the mic on them, so to speak. Jesus dropped the mic. Amen. Amen. He couldn't answer them, answer, answer Jesus questions. So Jesus said, well, I'm not going to answer you also. All right. Now, this further antagonized them. I mean, you know, here, I mean, who, who is Jesus to be speaking to them like this? You know, the ruling class. 28. But what think you? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterwards, he repented and went. Underline, please, he repented and went. Verse 30. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Okay, so he answered, answered and said, Okay, I'll go. But he didn't go. Whether of them twain, which of these two, whether of them twain did the will of his father? They say unto him, the first. Jesus say unto them, verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the, in the way of righteousness, and you believed him not, underline, and you believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him. 
and you and you when he uh, when you had seen it repented not afterwards that you might believe him. You see, you see. So here again, Jesus is pointing out that uh, 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 the publicans and the harlots, you okay, they can repent and believe, all right. But you, you, you've heard, but you do not believe, all right. So which one are you? Which one are you? Have you heard the word of God repeatedly, and do you really believe it? Have you heard the word of God in various sermons on TV? You're reading the word of God, hopefully. Have you heard the word of God, but you do not believe it? You see, it's in your belief and faith and, 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 and having no doubt at all that what the word of God is saying is true. He continues here with another parable in 33. Here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. They did the same thing to them. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. When the Lord therefore of the vineyard uh, cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? They say unto him, they say unto him, meaning Jesus, he will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their seasons. And Jesus saith unto them, did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on the stone shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind into power. And when the chief priests and Pharisees had heard his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. Okay? So you see, he was rejected the same way Jesus was rejected. The interesting thing is that he came to Israel first, to the Jews first. Later on, the Gentiles were added, so to speak. All right. But they rejected him. Okay. I submit to you today that one of the reasons I personally believe that we are seeing the blight that is going about through this disease. I believe because many in this country, many in this nation have rejected Jesus. Many in the world have rejected Jesus. And I'm sorry for you folks who are listening to this podcast in New York, but I, I still, I just, I have the pictures clear in my mind when they were the, the, your, the New York state legislature there, they were voting on that late, late term abortion bill. We can kill a baby up until very late in the pregnancy, I, was, I think, I don't know, eight, eighth month or ninth month or something, but it was very late into the, pregnancy, into the pregnancy. When that bill was passed, they showed on TV the legislatures literally jumping up and down and shouting in the Senate room or in the, the House of Representatives in the, in, in the room there. They were shouting and clapping hands and, and putting their fists in the air for victory because of the fact that they had won and that the bill was passed. All right. So this is them voting for killing babies. We see here that many in this country and in and, and, and some states more than others, I'm sorry to say, in, in some states more than others, but, but, but Jesus is more accepted than in other states. And it seems to be a growing trend where, where it, it, it's, not, um, it's not fashionable. It's not fashionable to believe in God or believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. All right. They had uh, um, they had the, uh, the the brother from my pillow, Mike. I forget his last name. I think it's Mike something or other. Uh, and you've seen him on TV with my pillows and everything. And he was speaking at one of the the uh, coronavirus uh, updates there, press conferences. And he talked about reading the Bible, talked about God and praying. All right. 
his company, My Pillow. If you do not know, uh, he also took on manufacturing. Oh, I forget whether it was masks or, or something, but his company he, he put up his company to manufacture things other than pillows, and they they excoriated him. They just jumped all over him later on because he he mentioned the Bible or mentioned God. You see, so it's not a popular thing. It is not fashionable to speak of God. Amen. So so if we reject him as a nation. How can we expect to be safe? How can we expect to be safe from, from pestilence and from, from all, all sorts of other blights? Amen? So it's our responsibility. We as Christians, we need to come together. We need to pray. We need to lift up the name of Jesus. At least starting minimally as far as our households are concerned. We need to make sure that Jesus is in our households. We need to make sure that, that, that our children know of Jesus. We need to make sure that our children know that they can find safety in the wonderful arms of Jesus. You need to make sure that you know you can find safety in the arms of Jesus. Amen? 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 You can't be denying him. You cannot be rejecting him. This Palm Sunday, you know, many times in, in uh, you know, in, in, in some of our uh, 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 theological books, you'll see that the term Jesus triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Yes, indeed, because this was where Jesus was setting his marker. It's okay. Game on. Because we know the events that followed. Amen. We know the events that were to come. Because that very same crowd that waved palms at him, singing Hosanna, putting him on the donkey and riding in. The same crowd that cheered him. About one week later, they were screaming, crucify him. They were screaming, crucify him. The crowd decided to set loose a murderer, Barabbas. Set him free, set him free. Crucify the Jew. <coughs> Excuse me. So we know that, that, that we need to make sure that we are accepting Jesus. We have, we have faith in him. We trust him. We do not reject him. Jesus continued this ministry exposing their hypocrisy. He continued the ministry teaching the true meaning of worshiping God. And the plot developed to eliminate Jesus who was threatening their way of life. As the elite of Jewish society. Jesus teaching was preparing the Jews and Gentiles for a new and better way of life. Jesus teachings uh, was preparing us for a new and a better way of life. And it applies to us today. It applies to us today in this time of coronavirus. Next week we go into Resurrection Sunday. We'll see and we'll talk about the culmination of God's plan for mankind. We shall see the work that was done on the cross and the things that were, were done leading up to his time of giving his last breath. Amen. Amen. But for now, between today and next week, think about what you've heard. Think about what you've heard. Think about the scriptures that you read. Think about how you can put your faith in Jesus and not be concerned, not be worried about what is going on around you in the natural. Think about it. Dwell on it. Pray on it. Because Jesus is indeed Lord. Our God, the Heavenly Father, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I just praise Him and thank Him so much for that. Let us close for now and I pray that this message has been a blessing to you. I pray that as you go through the balance of the week ahead, that you shall remember these words, keep them deeply, deeply sowed into your spirit so that they cannot be stolen away by the evil one, and be blessed. Oh, wonderful Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord God, it is praise you and magnify thy most wondrous name. We thank you, Lord God, for this time that we've had with you, Lord God. And we pray that as we go through the balance of the day and the week ahead, O oh Lord God, that we shall remember these words, these scriptures, that we shall keep you deeply, deeply rooted in our spirits, O oh Lord God, so that that spirit of fear cannot come upon us to bring about doubt and anxiety, O oh Lord God. 
Oh Lord, I praise you and just magnify thy name. And I pray, oh Lord God, that these words, this sermon, oh Lord God, shall go to the north and to the east and to the south and to the west, oh Lord God, and shall be heard by others and shall set the captives free so that they too can know the saving grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I just praise you and magnify thy name. I give it all to you, all the glory and praise, because only you are worthy to be praised. I thank you, Heavenly Father, and I praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. So go forth this day and be blessed in the name of Jesus. Seek the Lord right now as we bring this service to a close. Do you want the weight of His glory? Do you want it to overshadow this sanctuary as you worship the King? So that the priest cannot even stand and minister. Because the cloud has filled the house of God.